Welcome to PR After Hours, your weekly cocktail of news and interviews with leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. So pull up a chair in our virtual lounge. Your host, Alex Greenwood, will be right back after this. Why do people listen to PR After Hours? Don't take my word for it. Listen to Joel Freund, CEO of Fluex Media. I'm going on a lot of podcasts and your podcast, the conversation with you is just so authentic and so real that I, I actually enjoy it. I don't even feel like it's a podcast. Follow us now wherever you get your podcasts or visit PRAfterHours.com and get on our subscription list so you never miss an episode. Today's episode promises to be an electrifying dive into the world of e-commerce. We don't do enough discussion about e-commerce on this show. I'm involved in e-commerce, so I'm kind of excited to have a really special guest here, Yaron Bean, a dynamic entrepreneur whose journey has spanned from the rigor of the Israeli special forces to the pulsating world of global e-commerce. The wisdom packed in his book, Growth Hacking Alone, is a testament to his expertise. He's the magnetic host of the Ecom X Factor podcast, which marries his vast e-commerce and marketing experience with his passion for teaching others. He's managed more than $10 million in Facebook ad campaigns. And I I, I promise I'll, I'll pay my bill soon because that was a lot of money for me to leave him hanging with. But his insights are invaluable as we gear up for today's chat. Prepare to journey with a digital nomad who's seen the world while simultaneously scaling e-commerce empires to seven figures. Let's get started with Yaron Bean. Welcome to the Virtual Lounge. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alex. I'm very excited. Uh, you did a great intro. I mean, I, I feel too good about the intro. <laughs> it can only go down from here on my end, so uh, you've got sure. to hold this thing up, okay, Aaron? Uh, you, you know what? You've taken, and this is one reason I'm really uh, was excited to book you. You've taken a really unconventional path by scaling e-commerce stores while living the digital nomad lifestyle. Can you give us a little background on some of the unique challenges and the rewards you've encountered on this journey? Yeah, for sure. And this is a great definition: rewards and challenges, because they always come together. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, our story started, I guess, as as you can probably figure, I'm Israeli and I served in the Special Forces. And while I was serving the Special Forces, I think I got the understanding that I don't want any bosses or commanders above me. It's like I, re I realized I want to be like my own boss. And I didn't, I wasn't quite sure how I'm going to pull this off. And I studied uh, industrial engineering degree and I started working in a media buying agency. And luckily I met a friend of mine and he was a childhood friend of mine actually. And he showed me a screenshot of his Shopify store and he told me he was dropshipping. And until that point, I thought that I thought that dropshipping is just BS that goods are selling in order to make money from courses. But right. since it was a childhood friend of mine, I said, okay, let's give it a go. The morning after my wife and I, we built a Wix store. We know we knew nothing. But in the same evening, we got lucky and got our first sale. And then we realized, okay, we can make money online. We, we were shocked. But, uh, you know, uh, money going in, you need to pour more money on ads. And since I was already spending approximately $1 million on a monthly basis in my day job, 
I was foolish enough in order to have the confidence <laughs> to spend my own money on ads for my own oh. store. And after a while, I guess approximately after six months, uh, the dropshipping business was actually bringing us more money than both our salaries combined. But it was very volatile. So we kept I kept working as a media buyer for two more years. And after two years of the dropshipping business, we decided we can quit. And we left Israel. And since then, we've been traveling the world. We started out in Thailand. Then we went to South Africa. And now we're stationed in Tbilisi, in Georgia. And since then, there have been many ups and downs, obviously. And I'm happy, I'm happy to elaborate. But uh, go ahead and ask me any questions that you'd like. <laughs> okay, let's 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 take a step back to folks who don't know what job, drop shipping is. Could you just give us a quick minute or two on what that actually is and how you make money from it? Yeah, for sure. So dropshipping is a... V- very broad definition. Basically, it's a form of holding inventory and fulfilling on fulfilling orders. So basically, when people say dropshipping, it means they don't hold inventory. And whenever a sales goes in, they make sure that the suppliers send the product immediately to the customer. This is dropshipping, like the definition by the right. dictionary. Right. Today, when people say dropshipping, they they have they probably mean one of two things. One alternative is dropshipping in a marketplace, let's say Amazon uh, or eBay, in which you use the same mechanism. You list items in your Amazon or eBay store, and as soon as someone buys from you, you make sure that the Chinese supplier or the wherever the supplier is stated, he sends the product directly to the customer. Or the other alternative, which I guess is more common, is you have your own store. It can be a Shopify store or a WooCommerce store or whatever. And whenever someone buys from you, you make sure that the supplier sends the product directly to the customer. So this is dropshipping like in a nutshell. Yeah, I actually did dropshipping as a, as a side hustle oh, about uh-huh. 18 years ago. And it I'm not going to tell you I was great at it. I worked with a food service, not food service, well, food service product manufacturer, and they had a ton of old inventory they wanted to let go, right? Mm-hmm. So what did I do? I spent hours entering... You know, this was, like I said, 15, 20 years ago, entering stuff, setting up my store. It, it did okay. It didn't do great. Um, I think nowadays, it's like you said, like the Wix stuff. And now it's so much easier to to set up and go. Um, so anyway, it's great. You're actually the first drop shipper I've ever had on the show. I, I mean, no, that's not all you do, but it's really interesting to hear your perspective. Did Now, when you say you did that, if you don't mind, was there any particular type of product that you drop shipped the most or was it all over the place or what did you do? Yeah, so back in the days, and this relates to what you said, today it's very easy to enter the dropshipping game because yeah. you can, it's very easy to set up a Shopify store or a Wix store or whatever. So I always say the barrier to entry is very low, but the barrier to success is very high because there is a ton <laughs> of competition. Yeah. <laughs> so back in the days, you can just set up a general store, which was right. like a, just taking products from all over the show and start driving traffic to the store and whenever uh, you see good metrics in your Facebook ads and in your funnel, you can pour more money into Facebook ads Mm -hmm. and then scale the specific product that worked. And then people used to uh, build a new store around the product that was working or like a one product store. So there are many ways to do this. In our case, we had a few products that were more beneficial, Mm -hmm. like drove more more revenue and, and profits. But after a while, a lot of competitors picked up 
And luckily, after like five or six winning products, this is the term in, in dropshipping game, we found something that really worked well. And we built a store about around this and we actually built a brand around this specific product. And we sold more than $4 million dollars just dropshipping without having like inventory in, in the warehouses. You know, that's the thing is about the drop about the drop shipping game where you you get that magic product, so to speak, that the winner, mm-hmm. you know that you're talking about. Um, but boy, if you can, like you did, it it can open up a whole new world to you. So let me that leads me to your next question, Yarol. um my next question for you is is uh, the digital nomad life are you just naturally a traveler or what was it that said made you say, well, you know what we we're not tied to a location to work, so why don't we travel or what was the the genesis of that? Yeah, so we knew we had a a mentor of ours, and he told us travel expands the mind. And this kind of phrase stuck in our minds. And both my wife and I, after we finished the army, we also worked abroad. I worked as a bodyguard in Mexico, and she worked uh, in the Israeli uh, also something related to security in Paris. So, We got the experience of living abroad and what it can bring to the mind and from a personal growth perspective and we knew that we want to travel more so this is why we decided to embark on the or the digital normal lifestyle although we had many many misconceptions regarding what does this what what that meant and I also I don't consider myself like a traveler per se in a way that I don't like attractions or hiking or stuff like this I just like staying in a place and And living my life in the specific in different specific cities <laughs> I'm sorry you you're into bodybuilding you're you're in the special forces and I never expected you to say I don't like hiking I don't want to move around. <laughs> I guess you, you you did plenty of that in the army right <laughs> exactly like uh, also after the after the army it's very common for Israeli people to To go uh, like traveling in North Am- in South America or Australia and go hiking stuff like this and my friends they always wanted to go like to eight days long hikes and I told them okay I had enough of walking with stuff on my back for like eight days and eating tuna cans I'm not interested in this you can go I'm going to stay in the hotel oh my gosh yeah uh, very good I I, I I can't say I'm always that way because I'm, I'm older and I'm, I'm trying to lose weight so I have to hike a lot but man if I could get away with it for a while I would okay this is great Let, let's go on to something else that's really important because it gets to your book I'm excited to hear about this it's kind of a buzzy thing growth hacking it's a term we hear a lot but what does it mean to you oh great question because like any definition especially in marketing every people any professional defines stuff differently and Um, and for me uh, growth hacking means finding ways to grow without using a lot of money mm-hmm. um, because there is this, this framework by Naval Ravikant and he says there are different there are four types of levers one can pull the first lever is is human you can use like manual labor or, or employees that can help you this is the first lever the second lever is capital. You pour more money in, you get probably you get more output, uh, very likely that you get better results. The third lever is code, which is if you if you are able to code, you can kind of productize yourself right. and you can scale your efforts. And the fourth lever is media. If you have like a podcast instead of 
doing like a sales call one-to-one, you do a sales call one-to-n, for example. So this concept of four levers really shifted my mind. And when I say growth hacking, I mostly focus on the third and the fourth level, like coding and using permissionless media in order to grow and scale. So this is the focus of of my marketing efforts these days and also the focus of the book. Now, has the podcast to your... How long have you done the podcast, first of all? Since 2020, so almost three years, four years. But that's as long as I've done this one too. Okay. Uh And are you... Are you, without giving away any, you know, secrets, but are you satisfied with it as permissionless? Are you satisfied with how it's performed to help you? Not not necessarily, but the goal for my podcast was actually wasn't so monetary. Um, I had different, different motivations to start the podcast. So I wanted to improve my questioning ability. I wanted to improve my English because it's not my, my native tongue and my native language. And I wanted to network with people. So I, back in the days, I didn't even want to monetize the podcast because that wasn't my main business. Right. I, I'm with but you. I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, but what I'm saying is, if I I believe that if I would like be more deliberate regarding what I wanted to achieve from the podcast, it would be a great lever. It's not something that I really leveraged the way I probably wanted or I needed. Hmm. I mean, I, I, that's one thing people ask me all the time. This is why I, mm-hmm. another another great reason why I want to speak with you, Aaron, is because you're you're like it's not always not everything is tied directly to a transaction of money. Give me money. Mm-hmm. Podcasting for me has done a few things. You tell me if you feel like at least you got this out of it. Of course, you meet wonderful people. Um, exactly. I just met you. I've already I'm already enjoying speaking with you and knowing you and getting to hear more about you. Uh, I get to do that. It does sharpen my skills because I use a lot of these skills. I also, uh, I'm also a speaker. I'm also, I'm a ghostwriter. I, I, the interviewing skills I use here help me when I ghostwrite books, you know, so that got that going. I do, it has helped me bring in some business, but it's never been like directly like give me mm-hmm. business. It's they like, I heard this guy and as goofy as he is, he does know a few things. I'm going to hire him. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, to me, it's the less uh, transactional side of it. And that's also how I view my books I write, too. Well, my nonfiction books, my fiction books, it would be nice if I actually sold a couple. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> so, but Yaron, how did you arrive at this? Because I guess that's my long way of saying there's so much emphasis um, in the entrepreneurial world on generating income. But you stress the importance of building assets. Is that correct? And if so, can you give us some examples of, of that and how that works for you? Yeah, for sure. And this is a great, great question. And I think it's also an important lesson. And, you know, Charlie Munger says, uh, the partner of Warren Buffett, so he often says that you should learn from mistakes, but it's better to learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> and <It's> true. <laughs> in this case, it's, it's my mistake. Uh, we talked about the dropshipping business before, and it's true that it generated a lot of cash and it was great. We, we, we worked very little. I mean, we worked for like two or three hours every day and we kind of lived the life and we traveled and we really enjoyed it. But the the moment results start going, started going south and we wanted to sell the business uh, or, we went to, or we wanted to like rely more on the brand, it wasn't there because it wasn't an asset. It was a cash cow. Yeah. And this was the lesson I learned. And I think during that time, I also started shifting my mindset 
focusing less on direct response marketing, which is transactional marketing, which is what produced my bread and butter, to also emphasizing uh, branding-related marketing, which is what we're doing now, building authority and and showing the world what we know and, you know, discussing without any means, I mean, without a motive of getting paid directly after this. Right. It, it's true. And uh, that's uh, that's the thing I... Uh... Uh, I, I I very much used to be very big proponent, still am, but I don't preach about it too much, but inbound marketing in the sense that I pull people in because I'm offering, you, you, just like you you wrote a book, I've written books. Here, here's how I did it. Here you go. Um, or here, come on my show or listen to my show, get some tips. Um, I just wish that 90, no, I wish that 80% of people on LinkedIn understood that because do you have the same problem? I bet you do. It is the one where somebody wants to connect, you look at them and you go, okay, that might be a good connection. And then as soon as you connect, there's a sales pitch in your DMs. I think they're missing the point. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I don't completely agree and I don't completely disagree. That's why I want you here, man. Let me have it. Let's go. I believe that uh, in life, everything is context dependent and one should combine the branding efforts, which I believe are more more long term, mm-hmm. with the short term and 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 generating cash flow. So I do believe that if you hard pitch all the time, it's not necessarily going to be good for your brand. But right. I don't think that you and I'm not saying that this is probably what you're proposing. But I, you're probably not proposing. Listen, I'm going to sit and wait until Liz come in. <laughs> but no, what no, I'm saying. No. People sometimes misunderstand building a brand and making money. I mean, you need to bring in cash flow while you're building the brand. And I think for this, cold calling, cold emailing, cold DMs, if you do it correctly, it can work and it isn't necessarily sleazy. If you do it correctly, though. Exactly. Okay. That's all I'm saying. It's just have a little fin- a little finesse when you do these things. You know, it's, you know, I've gotten to a point now when people connect and I don't, I'm thinking about it. I, I always send them a note and say, I'd like to connect, but just understand I'm not buying anything right now. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i not saying it to be mean. I'm just saying it to say, look, my bu- it's October. My budget's shot. I'm done. I'm not mm-hmm. buying it. And I've done that three times in the past uh, five days. And every one of them wrote back and said, oh, okay, thanks. Never mind then. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, that, uh, t- no harm, no foul. So I'm told. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm with you. I kind of agree with you and you kind of agree with me, but we kind of disagree a little bit. But <laughs> that's what makes the world a great place. All right. So I'm going to I want to go back to your book, though. Now, when did the book uh-huh. come out? It came out, I think, approximately one year ago. Yeah. And yeah. what's the I mean, why should somebody buy it? Main reason. I think because it gives a great overview regarding marketing, growth hacking, and also understanding the deeper components of human beings. So I made it a point, because I think it's important, I made it a point to list out a lot of biases, a lot of human biases in the book, because when we are marketing, we're basically trying to persuade human beings to buy from us or give us what we want. (laughs) So this is why I believe that critical thinking and understanding biases is so important. So I made it a point to include that and also giving specific examples that can relate to marketing. So I think this is like the most important aspect. And there are many other benefits, but I'm not going to list them out because you asked only for one. <laughs> yeah, and you gotta buy the book too, right? But exactly. but I like that. I like that. Um 
do you do you have and, and uh, gosh the time is flown we're almost we're almost out of time here but do you have one piece of advice for anybody out there who's listening thinking about getting into e-commerce what what is the the, the number one you know yaron bean piece of advice before you get into this okay so and this is probably an advice that people don't want to hear and i also ignored it um but as i grow older i realize how important it is uh, a lot of people start an e-commerce business as a side hustle just because they want to leave their corporate job yep. and they hate right. a lot of aspects of the corporate jobs but then they start and they just say okay i'm just going to start test out the waters and they are not sure regarding how much resources they have to allocate they are not sure when are they going to quit they are not sure when are they going to scale they have a lot of lack of clarity because they just want to test out the waters yep I think this isn't a good thing to do. And what I propose to anybody who starts out, I propose to build a business plan. It's very yeah. simple. You probably did this in your in your bachelor's degree. You probably did it in high school or you probably did it in your corporate job. But now it's very easy to ignore this because we hate it because it's like kind of reminds us of the corporate life. Right. But still, I think it makes a lot of sense just to build a business plan. So this is like my biggest word of advice is build a business plan and make sure that you track your numbers correctly from day zero until you scale and after. You're on where were you when I was dabbling and trying it out and failing miserably? Where was your book? Uh, I was. <laughs> I, I say this all the time. I, I'm always way ahead of the curve. I fail way before most people do. So um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's great advice. I love it. I think, I think it's, it's fascinating. And what I, again, what I've, I've so enjoyed meeting you. What I really like about this vibe you have is um, you're realistic and you're, you're, you know, you're tough about things, but you're, you also are willing and open-hearted enough to kind of give people a little, a little kind of tough love and explain things. And I <laughs> like that. Um, so tell you what, uh, if people want to learn more about you, where should they go? Thank you so much for the kind words, Alex. I really appreciate them. I'm mostly active on LinkedIn, and people can also look up uh, Ecom X Factor podcast. And my name is Yaron Bin. I think I'm pretty unique with this regard. So if they look my name <laughs> up on LinkedIn, they are going to find me. And yeah, just reach out on LinkedIn. And I will put a link in the show notes at prafterhours.com. And you know what, Yaron? I'm going to probably send you a connection request. And if you accept it, I won't DM you right away or anything. I won't. I won't. I promise. I have nothing to sell you, my friend. You know, uh, but I will be in touch with you when the show is going to go live because you might want to know that. But your own bean is, man, what a dynamic, fun guy. I want to. I want you all to listen to the X, the Ecom X Factor podcast. I want you to look into his book. You can get it. I think Amazon and all the other usual suspects, right? Mm -hmm. He's nodding. So exactly. go there and, and check it out um, because uh, what you hear today is what you're going to get, I think, in those two mediums. And I think it's going to be very beneficial to you. Even if you're not going directly into e-commerce, it doesn't hurt to understand how people in other sectors are doing their jobs. Yeah, I don't mean, I just enjoyed this so much. This has been a, a day of podcasting for me and you have just absolutely been my favorite all day long. Thanks for putting <laughs> up with me and joining me here today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alex. Take care. Is your story reaching the right ears? Or is it just another whisper in the wind? 
In the symphony of the marketplace, your narrative should sing. Alex Greenwood, a maestro of messaging with over three decades of expertise, is ready to conduct your story to new heights. From navigating the nuances of public relations, to authoring novels that capture the imagination and producing podcasts that speak volumes, Alex crafts narratives that resonate and yield results. Turn the page to a new chapter. Let Alex Greenwood orchestrate your story to captivate, engage, and inspire. Step into the spotlight. Visit alexgpr.com or contact him through this podcast today. And let's start a conversation that matters. You know what that means. It's last call here at the Virtual Lounge. Be sure to visit prafterhours.com for links to what we discussed in this episode and more. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time for another round at PR After Hours with Alex Greenwood.